Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of the modern monocle. Stopping the copyright bullies from pulling the wall on us. Painting and taking on all the blatant hate and trolls. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinizing through their lies and make them fall. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get Uh, we spend a lot of time on Tech Dirt and certainly in this podcast uh, talking about issues related to content moderation. Uh, one point that I've tried to get across to many people is that it's not nearly as easy as some people seem to think it is, uh, and that there are many trade-offs and nuances to just about every approach. Uh, and I know that there are still some people out there who think that doing nothing uh, is one uh, good approach, but I have tried to make it clear that that's fairly naive. Uh, if you do absolutely nothing, your website will quickly fill up with spam, abuse, and harassment, uh, and suddenly you have a garbage website. Uh, at the same time, many people, I think, are quite reasonably concerned about the idea that just a few large companies get to make all the decisions about what content is allowed and what is not. And that's you know, very much a, a reasonable concern. Searching for sort of interesting alternative approaches is what led me to uh, my Protocols Not Platforms paper a few years ago, which don't worry, we're not talking about that again today. I know some people are sick of that. Uh, but a key element of that paper was the idea that we might be somewhat better off with two key features regarding content moderation. And the first of that is pushing more power to the ends of the network, uh, rather than just having giant centralized companies making all the decisions. And then second, allowing for there to be a lot more experimentation and competition in terms of how content moderation works. And that's why there's a new service called Block Party that has been so interesting to me since I first heard about it uh, a while back. It's an attempt to create a new tool for dealing with specifically abuse and harassment online uh, on top of what the social media platforms do themselves. And while it's just launched, it has some really clever features, I think, uh, and has a really unique approach to dealing with specifically abusive and uh, harassing content. Um, the whole focus of the company is to create a better way to deal with such garbage online uh, and to make the internet much more usable and enjoyable in a way that, that I think hopefully brings back the original promise of the internet, uh, which some of us still remember and, and hope we can get back to that kind of world again. Uh, and that's why I'm excited to have the founder and CEO of Block Party on the podcast today, uh, Tracy Chow. Uh, Tracy, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So uh, I know you've probably explained this a million times, uh, <laughs> but I'm sure that some of our listeners probably will have not heard, uh, and I'm sure that you can do a better job than I could. Uh, but could you explain you know, why you created Block Party and what was the, the, the idea behind it? Yeah, I came to be working on Block Party out of my own experiences dealing with online abuse and harassment, um, and not just online, but also the stuff that spilled into the offline world and um, the frustration that mm. there was not more being done and not better ways to protect myself. Um, it also came out of work that I've previously done working at social platform companies, um, having built anti-abuse and moderation tools. And in addition to that, working on other features throughout different products. Um, I previously worked at Facebook, at Quora, 
at Pinterest. And I think because of my experiences working at these different companies across um, all across the companies and different parts of the product, I have a pretty good understanding of how the platforms work and also um, how, to your point about how content moderation is not really that simple, um, these things are quite nuanced and um, you need to think through the entirety of a platform and a product and a community and um, things like the way home feed and distribution works in your network will impact things like moderation. And in fact, you shouldn't really think of content moderation as a silo. Mm. Um, and Block Party's approach is looking at uh, this problem of stuff that you may not want to see um, or abuse and harassment uh, from the perspective of the end user, that is the person who may be experiencing abuse and harassment. Uh, relatively easy to think about because I have the personal experience. Um, and so <laughs> right. just kind of thinking about what are the things that I would like. Um, and so the way Block Party works um, our intention is to go multi-platform, cross-platform, but right now it is uh, built on top of Twitter. Um, you sign up for Block Party, you link your Twitter account, you set filters uh, for what you want to see or don't want to see, and the filters that you can set are things like, I don't want to see content from people who don't have a profile photo, who have fewer than 100 followers, uh, who recently created their accounts, uh, or you can be more restrictive um, in a setting that we call, um, I need a break. And in this sort of, <laughs> I need a break mode, uh, you say, I don't wanna see anything unless it's from people who are, uh, people I follow, people followed by people I follow, verified users, people I've engaged with recently, those kinds of heuristics. Um, and based on these filters, Block Party will then be running in the background constantly to scan your at mentions and replies. Um, and anything that doesn't pass those filters, Block Party will automatically mute so that you don't see that content on Twitter itself. So you can continue to use Twitter as normal, whatever clients you want to use, um, mobile, web, all work, um, and all that potentially not so good stuff is filtered out. But it's not just that it gets hidden. The stuff that is muted, we then put into a folder on Block Party that you can review later if you want to, when you want to. And the reason why we've done this um, is there is a reason why people are using these platforms. Like I, For me personally, I, I do um, some activism work around diversity and inclusion and generally want to be present in the community on Twitter. I get news that way. There's so many good things about being online and having a presence and being able to interact with people outside of my existing networks. Um, there's all that good stuff that if you're filtering very heavily to prevent uh, potentially seeing bad stuff, you may miss some of the good stuff as well. And this is why um, some of the folks we've talked to, for example, like journalists, um, other activists will say, I don't want to turn off notifications from people I don't follow because there's good stuff I don't want to miss. Like there's this fear of missing out on, on that. Um, right. On the flip side, there is the, the negative stuff where sometimes it's so bad that you need to be aware that it's happening. Um, and I've had this happen a few times too, where I had muted people and not realized that they were actually stalking me in real life or making <laughs> threats about showing up to um, conferences I was going to be speaking at and that awareness of actual threats is still really important as well. Uh, in some cases, it didn't escalate that far, but being aware that that was happening would have been really important. And so just muting those people so that I wouldn't see their notifications all the time on Twitter actually ended up being dangerous. Um, yeah. So having 
all that stuff filtered into a place that you can review later is still really important. Um, it's not necessarily fun to go through all of it. And I have gone through waves of harassment, even with block, block Party on, where at least I could use Twitter and then I would have to go to Block Party and deal with <laughs> hundreds of things. Um, but it still feels better than having it interspersed with all of my activity on Twitter itself um, because I could choose when I was emotionally ready to <laughs> look at all of this right. content and deal with it uh, as opposed to like, I just want to check if I got any notifications and then see the abuse. Um, and there is a very real emotional, visceral impact uh, when you yeah. see something that's really awful directed at you. Um, and I, I remember before using block party, just, that surprise element of seeing random stuff <laughs> pop up whenever somebody nasty decided right. to tweet something. I mean, it was, it was really upsetting. Like all throughout the day I'd have to worry like, Oh, I, I might just like get some random harassment on Twitter. Um, and now it's at least isolated to when I'm ready to go look at it and <laughs> deal with it all at once. Uh, I think it's somewhat analogous to um, the spam folder for your email inbox. Um, yeah. You may want to go look through it periodically to fish out anything that was good and also just kind of see what, what's what's up there. But your expectations are very low. And so right. it's not so bad to see the, the not so good stuff there, but you definitely don't want it cluttering up your inbox of all the stuff you, you do want to see. Uh, yeah. Because of the design that we have with this other folder, it also enables you to delegate access to other people to review just that folder, um, which is... Uh, pretty important in the cases where things are starting to get pretty bad and you don't want to look at it yourself. Um, historically, a lot of this, like dealing with abuse uh, on platforms, puts the burden fully on the people who are targeted by it. Uh, so, if you want to report or just block people, um, like it, it's all up to you. And the more you've been harassed, the worse it is. Um, but we separate all this stuff into a folder, and then you can give access to this folder to people want to help you, um, which is also better than handing over your entire account or handing over your phone, as we've heard some uh, people say in user interviews. Right. Um, so we're trying to be able to enlist uh, your friends or your community and supporters to be able to help you. Um, so like, this is kind of like the preliminary bits of like how it works, but we're also thinking about like um, all the other aspects of dealing with abuse. Like I've had to file police reports a few times, um, and collect evidence and it's super painful to do that um it would be like cross-platform taking screenshots creating a timeline document with the timestamps and the platforms and describing all that context and then having a separate like folder of screenshots changing all the file names like all of that is super painful <laughs> um right and filing with the police is awful they're really, really technology backwards um I mean, one of the more hilarious lines I heard from a San Francisco um, police officer when I filed a report a few years ago was uh, after I had sent him a bunch of screenshots and photos. Um, over email, he replied to say, I can't see your photos because I don't have internet on my email. <laughs> <laughs> I just <laughs> did not know what to say. Right, well, right. <laughs> I don't imagine you're going to be super helpful in um, dealing with my stalkers who are attacking me across like, 10 different platforms. <laughs> right. Oh, God. Um, wow. So some of the stuff we're building is making moves towards like making it easy to collect that evidence. Um, like I have a few ongoing 
um, harassment, stalking situations. And so I can easily save all those tweets into Block Party. So all I have right. to do is I put the, the URL of the tweet in and I can save it. There's a record of it, um, even if the account gets suspended um, or the, the user deletes their tweets later, there is still a record of it in Block Party. Hmm. Uh, this is also something I ran into before where like people would be harassing me. I would want to block them to stop it. But then this is before Twitter fixed the blocking stuff. Um, if you had blocked somebody, you could no longer access anything, so you couldn't screenshot it anymore. <laughs> like, right. that's a, okay. So I guess I have to screenshot before I can take the protective actions for myself. And then if, if those um, accounts got taken down, so there were a few cases where I did manage to report accounts that were harassing me and got them taken down, then all the evidence disappeared. Right. And then, and then they just create a new account to harass you from there. So right. uh, then just it was not helpful. Um, so thinking through all of those cases and like the cross-platform nature of harassment, that's something that we know is very real when you're getting targeted. It spills over um, all over the place. It's not just going to be one platform, which is why we also think that being outside of one of the platform companies is more powerful. Um, I just give one example from uh, last summer, um, August 2020. I did a Reddit AMA mm-hmm. talking about working on Block Party and anti building anti harassment software and diversity and inclusion. And um, I think within like 10 or 15 minutes, it devolved into this cesspit of trolls. And by the end, there were something like 4,000 um, troll comments. My thread ended up on 4chan. Um, And then I was just getting attacked across whatever whatever online service area (laughs) I had. So obviously there was stuff that was happening on Reddit itself, like in the AMA, Reddit, direct chats. uh, But then... Twitter, uh, email, a bunch of these 4chan and Twitter, uh, sorry, 4chan and Reddit trolls then created a bunch of accounts on Substack with my name and photo oh my and posted uh, racist and misogynistic content from there, which is really traumatizing to see. It was, it was like, it was my photo and name posting right. awful stuff. It was generating a ton of email uh, notifications on Substack, uh, so it, it, it is truly very cross-platform. Um, so just one platform, even if like one platform were to do a better job of it, um, it spills over to other places. Right. And so um, our positioning as a third party, like we're not, we, we're building tools that work on Twitter right now, but we're not just a Twitter tool. We don't intend to just be a Twitter tool. By being outside of one platform, we can start thinking about the more cross-platform nature of dealing with this kind of thing. Um, also thinking about how do we create accountability longer term? Like right now, it's a little bit more mm-hmm. defensive. It's like, let's just help people who are getting attacked right now um, to have a little bit more protection. But longer term, how do we really fix this problem? And I think some of that is going to be accountability in whatever form that takes. Um, but if that means being able to create reports more easily that like can then be filed with the platform, Mm-hmm. Um, or filed with law enforcement if some of it is actually illegal or could be actioned um, in the offline world. Like we want to make that easier, um, right. and I think that accountability, hopefully longer term, will also change the behavior of people on platforms. Yeah, yeah, that, that's great. I mean, you, <laughs> I, w- I want to dig in on a few of these things just to make sure people understand them. But you, you basically covered like all the specific questions I was going <laughs> to. which is great um you know i i think you know one of the things that you mentioned um that struck me i've only been using the platform for for about a week now um and and i already 
see the potential and I'm, I'm excited about it. It, you know, one thing that I didn't realize before I signed up, but now in using it, you mentioned that it, it, you know, th you could think of it similar to like a spam folder. Um, and what struck me was how similar it is to another service that I use for email, which is not just for spam is a service called Sanebox, which I don't know if you're yeah, I've heard of it. Or not. Yeah. yeah, but it sort of, you know, filters your emails and makes your inbox usable and you can do it. There's a whole bunch of different levers, which you can pull to filter things in different ways. And, and for me, that was like the most powerful thing in terms of making email usable again, because all of the important emails show up where I need them. And then there's like, there are other folders that I can just check like once or twice a day when I'm ready to deal with, you know, like, you know, in my case, I get all these like, you know, ridiculous PR announcements. Uh, and so I can filter all those away and only deal with those when I when I need to, which is obviously not um, not even suggesting that like PR press releases are anything <laughs> similar to, to, you know, harassment and abuse. Um, but it's it's that same sort of mental mindset. Um, and I, I think, you know, and, and so just in, in the week or so that I've been using block party, like I already sense the same thing where it's like, I'm just putting these things aside and I can deal with them when I'm in that, that mental headspace. It says, okay, now I'm going to deal with this. Um, and, and that's on its, on its own seems really powerful. Um, yeah. We, we really like that idea of just giving users more control. Um, and so it could be for just prioritizing the things that are more likely to be things you want to pay attention to. Um, it can be like with the, the different levels of filtering, you can choose to be mm -hmm. more restrictive or more permissive. Um, and it's kind of nice that it's within the user control as opposed to just a decision that the platform has made right. across the platform. Um, and when you think about what platforms can do, like the sort of threshold they can set around like terms of service, like what's allowed and what's bad enough to get deplatformed, it's really, uh, you have to be really, really bad to get deplatformed. Right. <laughs> um, and it'd be really bad for your account to not be allowed to keep posting. But there's a pretty big distinction between like, what is so bad that the platform will allow an account to be there and what someone on the receiving end might want to see. Like there's a big right. space in there that it would be nice for users to have more control over, whatever that means, uh, if it's trying to deal with abuse and harassment or just trying to prioritize what you're looking at. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's that's absolutely true, and and sort of related to that, I, I think one of the things that I, I thought was a, a really good point that you made um, in sort of describing all of this is it's you know it's it's kind of difficult to think through all the implications of things like you know you know Twitter put in in place the sort of block and mute features, but you know as you noted, like in some cases those those work in in ways that you don't necessarily you can't think through all the consequences, things like, you know, if you've muted someone who is threatening to do you real harm, um, you know, there, there should be some way that someone can pay attention to that. Uh, or, you know, if you're blocking people and you can't take screenshots or whatever, that's, that's a real problem that's, uh, you know, now been changed. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it's, that's also an important thing to note that like, the the idea that people have that like oh that some people have at least that the platforms can just sort of magically solve this themselves i think you know for for a whole variety of reasons is not true and that's why i think it's good that you know not that i'm i'm trying to um urge there to be more competition for you but i think like <laughs> more more competition in terms of like 
just different experiments in terms of how people can do these things, I think is really important. Um, and, yeah, and absolutely. So I think it is good to call out that uh, all these tools that Twitter and other platforms have built on the platform themselves are very useful. Like having block and mute functionality is really mm -hmm. important. Um, yep. And some of the other things that they have been building more recently, like being able to limit who replies to your tweets um, or hiding replies, like these are all good things. They're not gonna work in every single case and just having mute and block will not be sufficient. But yep. I think having these constructs within the platform is really important and then um, to your point, like allowing people to experiment on top of them, build different things with these constructs is really, I think, yeah. necessary <laughs> because it, it will be impossible to solve everything just on the platform side. I think uh, it's hard to anticipate all the different ways that people are going to, to do things. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's it's kind of nice to, be able to um, play with these different constructs within the system. Like I some of the stuff we're thinking about mute and block is it's good that we can mute people where mute is an invisible action to the person that's mm -hmm. performed on. Um, yeah. And it's not censorship. It's just like, let's you know, maybe look at this stuff a little bit later, or I don't need yeah. to see notifications from you. Like you can say your piece. I just don't have to hear it. Um, <laughs> and like, you don't have to know that I didn't hear it from you. Um, right. Right. In fact, that's important. I think in a lot of cases, Yeah. because, um, because the way people react to when they find out they're blocked, you know, they often go crazy, which I mean, sometimes is, is worth it, <laughs> but, but, but yeah. like there's value in being able to do that without letting them know. Yeah. Um, I, I've, also experiences from like having blocked people where I was just tired of dealing with them. And right. then uh, what, what happened from there was uh, they screenshotted that I blocked them and then <laughs> sent all of their followers to harass me, which was just fantastic. Um, so I, there's a very real concerns to blocking people when it escalates a situation or uh, in some cases, trolls really enjoy being blocked because they know that they got through to you because you had right. to take an action against them. Whereas like being ignored indefinitely and feeling like they're just like harassing into the void may not be as satisfying <laughs> to them. Um, so it's really cool that we have these different yeah. tools to play with, um, with block party. Um, although yeah, on that point, a, a few people have, um, thought that block party automatically blocks people, which is, I mean, not surprising given the name, but, um, <laughs> just mute party was not, as right. fun. So that's why no, we're block party. <laughs> yeah, block party definitely works. But, uh, but yeah, I was I was actually going to ask about that because like I know and like I mean, you know, I'd seen the 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 Reddit uh AMA disaster um which just confused me. <laughs> um and you know, and, and was was terrible obviously. Um and I I was trying to figure out like why because I've seen this from a few people that, that they've reacted poorly to the idea of block party, I think without understanding what it does. And I actually wondered if it was in part because of the name, like some people just have this sort of visceral reaction against blocking, which, you know, generally it's because they don't, they probably don't deal with that much uh, uh, annoyance online. Uh, and so they're sort of speaking from their own position of privilege to, to say like, well, I never block anyone. It's like, right, because you don't have to. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I was trying to understand like why some people have reacted like sort of viscerally against this idea when I, I think, you know, if people understood it more, they would recognize like, you know, it's it's just giving more power to the end user to sort of, you know, create a better experience for themselves. 
Um, and, and so like, I don't know, do you have any other thoughts on like why some people have, have reacted poorly to the idea? I mean, I think there's a level of it, which is just people who want to hate on things and mm. don't really care. Like it doesn't matter to them what you're actually doing. They just want to right. hate on them. <laughs> um, but some of it is, I think actually, um, underlaid with the, the same issue that causes harassment or the, the feeling of like having to deal with a lot of unwanted content sometimes, which is people feel this entitlement to being yeah. heard just because they have an account and they can type things at you. Yeah. And um, <laughs> like, I, I'm sure you've seen the phenomenon of like reply guys who yes. are like debate with me. I have a bad opinion. Debate. Me. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really want to like, yeah. you didn't read the article that I shared or you didn't actually like <laughs> read what I wrote. And now I don't want to debate you. But if you say like, I don't want to engage or you're, you're blocked them, they're like, well, why aren't you talking to me? Like you think yeah. you're so, so much better than me. Um, so I think there's a bit of that reaction, which is like this entitlement to being heard. Um, yeah. and this idea that, <laughs> somebody might not want to hear from them or that it might be harder for them to get through. Um, I think maybe get some people riled up. Um, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it reminds me, um, and I've pointed to this, this article a bunch of times to, to people as a, as an interesting, um, way to understand the internet in a positive way. But, but to some extent, this is the flip side of that, which is, um, Paul Ford's article from from years ago about how the 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 sort of killer app of the web is answering the why wasn't I consulted issue, <laughs> <laughs> which is is a great piece if you haven't seen it. Um, and and in it he sort of explains like that's the, the sort of amazing thing about the internet in a good way, potentially, but obviously with with potential downsides as well, is that it allows people to have a voice in things that they, they feel they should have a voice in. And sometimes that's actually really good mm -hmm. and, and really powerful and really useful. But as I think, you know, we've all discovered at times, this also can be really, really negative. And, and people who, you know, assume that they can, you know, monopolize your time or demand things of you um, also come with that. Yeah. I actually want to dig into that idea of having a voice um, a little bit further. And I think, to this this idea of like you know what was that original promise of the internet like what, what, we were sold yeah. this dream um i think there there is a, a lot of that you can see on platforms like twitter like during the pandemic like being able to see medical experts healthcare mm -hmm. like public health experts epidemiologists share their knowledge is it's really remarkable and incredible that um there is a platform for those people to have voice um at the same time, the lack of, I mean, just the generally this problem of like online abuse, I don't know what, what, what the lack is of per se, like the lack of governance, the lack of social norms, the lack of better protection for people, um, the ability for all these people to try to like troll. Mm -hmm. um, we run the risk of silencing or having these people's voices be silenced, like some of the people that we most need to hear from. Yeah. Um, and some of the research on online abuse, it makes it pretty clear that this burden is disproportionately borne by women, minorities, uh, marginalized people. But it's also, I think, just like the people who are trying to speak about important issues, like activists, journalists, public servants. Um, and 
because of how easy it is to create fake account. I mean, there's there's trolling, which is like coordinated bot behavior. There's also just like a lot of not so great people who will swarm. Um, <laughs> yeah. But because the consumer web allows all these people to come in and, and try to harass um, individuals, it's, yeah, it, it creates a silencing effect. It's not this um, freedom of speech thing at all. Like you're getting people who very purposely don't speak anymore because they know, or they don't speak on particular issues because they know that they will be right. attacked for it. Um, and so I think in order to give people voice, particularly on, on, on these important issues and for people who are coming from more underrepresented backgrounds, whose perspectives we probably need to hear even more. So um, we do need to give people better protections for themselves so they don't feel like if they speak up, they're going to immediately get harassment. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's a, it's a really important issue and it's, it's, you know, I, I've written a few times on it and it's, it's a tricky one, right? Cause there, there is a balancing act there. And I think, but I think, you know, there are too many people who completely ignore that. Um, and, and the, the impact of, you know, abuse and harassment on silencing people whose voices it, it, it you know, just the, the whole idea of like, um, you know, what is generally referred to as like the heckler's veto, right? I mean, the, the more that, that, that people can do to, to silence voices, I think, is a problem. And it, it relates to something else, which, which you mentioned a little bit, and I think is, is also, also worth sort of diving in on, which is that, you know, everyone's own tolerance, uh, you know, is, is different, and everyone's own experience and reactions, and, and, and not just, um, you know, I should be clear, like, not even just like, a single person may have different reactions to different content at different times or, you know, depending on, on other contexts as well. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, yeah. if you're having a bad day, you know, you might really not be, you know, willing to deal with, with, with crap and it might just really set you off in, in one way or another. Um, which is also why, you know, it's, it's problematic if it's just the big companies making these decisions for you. Um, or even, you know, in some cases, you have these situations where, um, like, you know, what one person might find very useful, uh, somebody else finds annoying or abusive, and 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 you know everything is there's there's just different perspectives on that, and that's why like the I, I think it's really good that the more you know individual control that people have, the better it is because people can can sort of set their own uh, you know, rules or, or, or set up based on, on their own perspective. Um, and I think that allows for a lot more freedom rather than saying like this kind of activity has to be totally banned or, or wiped out. Um, you know, let's let people figure out what their own comfort level is. And, and right. that's, you know, something that, that, you know, that you've really designed into this and, and related to that, you also mentioned this in, in the original description, but I, I think it's such a, a clever idea that it's worth, um, talking a little bit more about, which is the the helpers feature. You know, you mentioned this idea that, you know, the content that is, um, you know, held uh, in your folder um, that you don't see in the in the regular experience, but you can go into Block Party and see it. You can share that with somebody else. And I, I really like this idea. I think it's really, really clever. And it's a really smart way to approach this for a lot of the reasons that, that you raised. Like, you know, 
it's easy to say, oh, well, I don't want to see this content, just send it all to the garbage. Um, but that creates its own problems. And, you know, especially in cases where there's abuse and harassment, if somebody is, for example, stalking you or threatening you, um, that's important for somebody to see, even if, if you can't deal with it and, or don't want to deal with it for, for whatever reason. Um, and so I really like the idea of, of the helper feature, especially because as, as you mentioned again, that it's not putting the burden on the user themselves. It's saying, I can allow somebody else to look this over for me um, and to go through it and say like, is there anything important that I need to know in here? Um, can you like, you know, clear out all the stuff that would, would, would you know, destroy my day, my week, my year, whatever it might be. Um, but if there's something important, you can, you can do something with it or about it. Um, and so I, I really like that idea. Um, and I think it's, it's a really clever approach that balances both the idea of like not missing out on this important stuff, but not putting the burden on the user themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm glad you like it. I, I like it as well. <laughs> I've used it <laughs> quite a bit. Um, Actually, in my personal use case, I, I mostly review my own content, just like a little mm -hmm. bit of time delay. But there are cases like when the harassment is more extreme, where it really feels like I, I don't have the the emotional bandwidth right. to review, like, I don't know, 700 like racist comments against me. Um, <laughs> and another thing that's kind of interesting here, when we're talking about like the emotional impact on people, like there is mm -hmm. a very real like emotional, psychological impact on folks of seeing this stuff and I felt it when it's even if I know that the abuse is stupid it's by people that I don't care about um right it's directed at me and it's it's picking at specific things about me like my, my race or my gender or commenting about how I look like all these it, it still feels very personal even if they're stupid comments um right. having someone else look through it it's not pleasant for them to look at per se but it's not directed at them so it doesn't feel so bad um, yeah. and so it just I has that, 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 that separation, that, that single yeah. degree of separation makes a really big, big difference. And like, it, it's, yeah, I mean, it, I, I, I totally understand what you're saying because it's, it's tough to describe, I guess, if, if you haven't had stuff direct, like hate directed at you very vehemently. Yeah. Um, but it, even, even when you know it's ridiculous, it just, it, it hits you. I mean, we're, we're, you know, as a human being, it, you can't not. And yet if you're looking at the hate directed at somebody else, just that one degree of separation makes it much less, um, emotionally draining, I think. And yeah. so, you know, it's, it's, yeah. One Sorry, analogy that might work for some folks who haven't necessarily felt it like in terms of like, online abuse is, uh, I think there's some parallels, like, you know, when you're getting negative feedback at work, like even if it's mm -hmm. constructive feedback, um, that is intended to help you, it still stings a little bit to get feedback that's negative. Um, and it, that's like, even when it's like somebody that, you know, and they're like trying to be helpful to you, like it right. still takes a little bit of a toll on you and you have to like be prepared to deal with it. And if, if you think that the feedback is not germane, like I've gotten some feedback before that was entirely sexist and rationally I could look at it and say, this, this is ridiculous. Like, I don't care about this feedback. Um, it still bothered me. It could still wait on right. me for like days, weeks, years. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there was that, that sort of like emotional impact of something that is directed at you. And yeah. if you look at like negative feedback to somebody else like it's just it doesn't hit that way it's like okay that's well 
yeah, sure, it's a criticism of somebody else. Um, but yeah, it's it's another level up when it's actually like abusive and harassing when it's yeah. directed at you versus not. Yeah, yeah, no, and and you know, and and again, like some of it depends on 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 the level, right? I mean, you know, I, I get some amount of of abuse and harassment, but you know, frankly, it's not nearly as much as as I know that that you and lots of other people get, um, and and even the like small amount that I get is it you know, you feel it, it hurts. Like it's, 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 you know, it's, and, and when, you know, and, and when there are those periods of time where it, it ramps up, it's just like, it, it's, it is incredibly draining and, and it, it takes attacks on every, everything. And it makes it like hard to focus. It makes it hard to work and all of these things. Um, and again, you know, in doing that, it blocks out, as we've mentioned, all of the good things and all of the reasons why, you know, we join Twitter or other social media in the first place and the value that we get out of it, and we still get out of it, or at least, you know, I mean, I certainly still get a ton ton of value out of Twitter, but it's it's sort of, you know, mixed in with, with negative stuff. And so, you know, it, the ability to try and recreate that experience where you're really just focused on the, on the good stuff and, and don't have to worry quite as much or can compartmentalize the bad stuff in, in a better way. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's very cool. <laughs> you know, I, I think I've, I've made it clear that I, <laughs> I'm, um, um, I, I, I've, I think it's a really great idea and I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, to, to sort of, some of the things to sort of wrap up the, the conversation a bit, um, what, what else do you think that the platforms themselves should be doing? Like, and, and from your standpoint, like what would be useful to you in building block party um, that for, for those platforms to be doing? I think um, kind of building on an idea we talked about a little bit earlier that um, platforms should build these different constructs into their systems around mm -hmm. things like muting and blocking, um, but just building that sort of functionality in and then adding APIs on top of it so that other people mm -hmm. can build on top of it would be super helpful. Um, so one area that is a bit lacking right now um, for Twitter specifically, I think, is uh, DM handling, where mm. if you have your DMs open um, and somebody that you don't follow messages you, it goes into the message requests like a separate tab. Um, and then you get a few options. You can accept it, which then creates this like open connection. They can message you and you'll get notifications or you can delete it or block report. Um, but there's no way to undo one of these actions. So if you accept, you can't unaccept anymore. So you can't move it back into that state where they're no longer in your mm. inbox without blocking them. So I think so some of the concepts and constructs around it are not very good. Um, so people have asked, for blog party for DMs. And we've talked about it uh, in our product meetings is like, what could we actually do with the constructs that Twitter has around DMs? And we can't figure out a good way to deal with this um, because mm. you can't reverse that. Say with muting, you can unmute um, right. and it's invisible and the other person doesn't know what's happened. But like with the, the message request, like you, once you've accepted it or deleted it, like there's no reversing that action. Um, it's, it's so it's just like the constructs aren't there in Twitter itself, which means that we also can't build on top of it uh, as a third party. Um, and then there's some other things where like uh, the platforms have the functionality with 
in them, but they don't expose it through APIs, which also makes it difficult. So reporting functionality mm -hmm. is not very good. So there is an API endpoint for reporting, but it's only for reporting spam. Oh, interesting. And so, I mean, obviously they have more robust reporting built into right. Twitter itself, but we, we can't really access it. Um, so I think for Twitter and for other platforms, like building more of these um, constructs into their systems and then exposing those APIs would be super helpful. And I think the way that we really should go as society, like if you think about all the online platforms overlaid um, in our offline world, like all inter intermingling, I think that's the way we as a society that is both online and offline has to move. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, that's cool. That's interesting too. Cause I didn't know about the, the different issues with, um, with DMs or, or with the, the API. It does, does remind me of one point I wanted to raise. Um, and in signing up for Block Party, in order for it to do what it does, um, one of the things I noted, and, and I will say gave me a, an initial hesitation, was that you do basically have to give it full permission to, to everything on, on Twitter. Um, and I know that's, that's part of the only way that you can do what, what you want to do, is, is my understanding at least. But do you want to talk to that point a little bit? Yeah. Um, so the way the Twitter API works in terms of permissions, that there's just three levels. Um, so you have read permissions, you have read writes, and then you have read write and DM. So you don't get to request specifically, like, I want the mute permission, I want the block permission. It's just bundled mm -hmm. at a certain level of access. Um, and when we started building Block Party, um, mute and block was bundled with the highest level, which is DM level. It's like, the read-write level did not give access to mute and block. And so in order to do mute and blocking, uh, which we, we need for Block Party, we had to request DM access. Um, although I just looked into it again yesterday, and they have moved muting and blocking down to the read-write tier. Oh, wow. Which means that we can actually go fix that, um, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> this is some feedback that we had given to Twitter as well. When we spoke to people on the API team. We are like, hey, like, we don't want this permission that we don't need. It makes us a right. little bit nervous. Like we don't want this, but like, please, you know, it's all bundled together. Like how do we, how do we get a lower yeah. level of permission? Um, so we can't actually fix that now because they've changed that. Um, although oh, I think the broader solution ideally would be that they make permissioning more granular. So it's not bundled yeah. this way. Um, and we've given this feedback to the API team and they're working on a V2 um, at Twitter. So hopefully it'll get incorporated in. I know there's always like the the trade-off of like how complex is it, and right. um, if you give people more more flexibility, it becomes much more complex. And sometimes you just want to keep things simple. But I think with with something like API permissions, the more granular you can get, the better it is. Security yeah. is is a very real concern. Um, yeah, and we would rather not have all this access that we don't need. Yeah, yeah. No, I. I... Yeah, I'd sort of look through, you know, what you have on the on the website on that point, and you do make that point. But yeah, I think, um, and and honestly, just in part, you know, for for general security, but also, you know, if you have um, access to people's DMs, and you know, based on on what you're trying to do, that actually makes you a target. Um, yeah. you know, and so, so the more that you can protect yourself that way and be less of a target, I think is, is oh, important. Absolutely. So that's, yeah, th we've that's... thought a lot about the security concerns. Like there's yeah. a bunch of stuff, um, that we've designed into the product, but we don't let like, you use it unless you have two factors set up. 
Right. Um, so you can't Which, disable two factor. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't yeah. No. That, I, I was gonna. I, I I almost forgot to mention that, but I think that is that's really cool. Like I I'm so happy that you know there are so few services that require two factor authentication, and I know that that you guys do, and and so that that was very very cool. So, yeah. yeah. There's also like uh, with the passwords, we not arbitrarily, but kind of arbitrarily early on, we're just like we're gonna make this a 16 right. character minimum. Uh, we got some pushback from people who are like, 16 is so long. Like, my normal passwords don't work. <laughs> We're like, that's great. You must have a new right. password. That, that's the idea. <laughs> your normal password shouldn't work for this. Yes, you should not be reusing. <laughs> don't reuse your passwords. Have you signed up for a password manager yet? Um, so, <laughs> it's just yeah. by forcing people to do 16 um, character minimum passwords has been good, and then forcing the 2FA. Uh, I think it, that it's just so necessary, especially with things like helper functionality, where somebody else yep. can get delegated access to your folder. And they can't do that much per se, but they can mute, block, and and do that kind of thing um, if you give them permission on block party. And so, like, we don't want your security to be compromised by someone else's lack of digital security hygiene. Right. Um, and it's something that I've thought about in like, other platforms as well, like with Facebook, right? Like, if if one of your Facebook friends has their account compromised uh, and someone gets into their account, they can then see all the stuff that like, you know, normally you would allow them to see um, that may be very private, but lots of right. people are pretty sloppy about their use, you know, usernames, emails and passwords that they just reuse. And these things get leaked on the dark web. They get bought. Like people do account takeovers and just plug in all the username, password combinations they can find. Uh, it's really easy to get access to people's accounts because people yeah. generally don't care. They aren't that careful about it. Don't always set up 2FA and then kind of like the, your whole social network can get exposed that way. Um, it's less of an issue for us in that regard because we're not a social network where like, you know, all of your friends can then have access to your content. But this idea that people in your network can compromise your security is um, a bit stressful. Like it's one that I've had to deal with personally. Um, and so that it's kind of like underlying it, that underpins some of our thinking as well. It's like, okay, you know, we're just going to force people through a more difficult onboarding flow. We, we would much rather have everybody have secured accounts with 2FA. Um, like, there's still some trade-offs like, Forcing people to use um, authentication apps um, like One Password or One Password or Authy or Google Authenticator would be better than SMS because SMS right. um, can be hacked. Uh, we've seen a lot of that with like crypto side of things, but there, there's a little bit of a trade off there. Where like we'd rather have, have some form of two FA rather than none at all. And there's a lot of people, surprisingly, who don't have one of these authentication apps. And if you force them to download, they like absolutely won't use it. So we're gonna, we still do have to consider some level of convenience versus like security trade-offs. And so that's why we allow um, SMS-based 2FA, even though it's not quite as secure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, hopefully our listeners know this already, but I know that plenty <laughs> probably do not, but like use, using a, a, a two-factor authentication app is not that complicated <laughs> and it's not that burdensome. I think like everybody gets freaked out about setting it up, but then once they do, you're like, oh yeah, this is, this is great. And it protects yeah. you. Like, please do I it. Know. <laughs> and what's funny is like when we were first testing uh, the, the very, very first build of block party, um, where like, we just bring in the first like 20 users and most of them were friends. Some of them were journalists, uh -huh. um, activists, uh, but they're just friends that was like, Hey, can you help me like test this, the sign up flow of this thing I've been building? Um, 
I think it was like 50 to 75% did not complete because of that um, two-factor authentication stuff. Because I wow. originally built it just with uh, app-based and it was like uh-huh. scan, a, scan a QR code and then get, and then like people just just stopped there. They were like, I don't have an app. I have to download it. Oh, I don't. I don't yeah, I don't know which huh. app to download. And so like that weekend I went and built SMS base and I was like, all right, like we've got to get some people through the flow. <laughs> like if we're getting this much drop off because people don't use authentication apps, like fine, we'll use SMS. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, yeah. I, 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 I understand it. And like, I know plenty of people who are like that, but I'm, I'm urging you if you're listening, just <laughs> get, get the 2FA app. I mean, they're, they're really, it's there and and it's it's almost fun at least for me like when i when i come across two factor authentication it's just like oh neat like my privacy is being protected here yes uh, yes so, so so uh that's just a yeah psa <laughs> <laughs> um but uh again you know uh i have made it very clear and i think i think what you're doing is something is something that's really cool and really useful um and i know you know it's sort of just launched and just opened up um and so i i know that you've got a lot more planned and i'm excited to see you know what that what it evolves into um and what what becomes of it because i think you know the more that that people can do to do exactly what i said you know push more power to the ends, you know, recognize the the difficulties and nuances of, you know, moderation issues, recognizing, you know, the real, very real issues and emotional taxes of abuse and harassment um, and, and being able to, you know, bring us around to, to the good stuff of the internet and, and bring back that promise, I think is, is super important. And it, you know, it, it seems like where you're heading is, is, is certainly helping out on that. So yeah hope hope so <laughs> yeah so you know for for people who are listening and haven't checked out block party please do so um is it still is it waitlist right now and people have to sign up or what's what's the status on how open a, it is we have a couple ways for people to sign up um you can apply to the waitlist and we we try to review pretty quickly and get people off of it um so usually within like a day or two, or actually now we've introduced a way to just directly sign up. If you pay what we're calling an anti-troll toll. Um, <laughs> so if you pay um, the anti-troll toll, you can just sign up directly and skip the wait list. Um, or if you have friends who are already on it, they can send you an invite and you can sign up directly from there. So actually that does raise a question in, in terms of like the, the business model of, of how you're approaching this. Um, yeah. You know, the, the anti-troll toll, I, I assume is one revenue stream, but I assume that there's other uh, plans there as well. Um, so the plan is that we'll introduce a premium subscription service and we've built out more power user functionality. We'll want to mm-hmm. offer um, what is available right now in some version for free, because uh, we know that a lot of times the people who are affected by this are from more marginalized communities or don't have as yep. many resources. So we want to enable people to still use it, um, but we, we do want to build a premium subscription tier. Um, and that's more of where we're focused. The anti-troll toll originally was actually not meant to be a revenue stream. Um, <laughs> it was meant to just protect us against trolls. Like literally that is what we built it for um, because we've gotten harassment in our like, waitlist signups and we've been, uh, huh. attacks like the 4chan trolls did a ddos attack on us uh, so we know that they are not happy like, it's not even just like they, they post mean comments about us working on this like they've actually attacked us um and so wow. that's why we didn't open up more uh before because we needed to build in more of these protections and now with the anti-troll toll like well 
if you want to pay a little bit of money, <laughs> like, okay, fine. Like pay us some money. At least like if, if you're going to troll, like give us some revenue. Um, <laughs> right. but it, was, it was not, it was not really meant to be like, Oh, we want to make money. And um, right. actually just speaking more from like the product and engineering side, just going to give you like um, a glimpse into like behind the scenes. Like we were thinking about doing this actually just as a test of our monetization infrastructure, because we're just starting to build huh. it out. Um, and so as we we're laying out our monetization product roadmap, we were thinking like, oh, what's the easiest thing we can do to first test the system. It's like, okay, so one-time payments are easier than subscription. Uh-huh. And, it would be great if we don't have to build any new functionality to test it. And we're like, well, one thing we can do is like introduce this basic uh, way to bypass the waitlist by paying a one-time payment. And we don't build any new functionality. Just We just allow you to sign up. Um, we are also building out the more premium tools that we want to charge a subscription for. But this was the easiest way to test on the product and engineering side. Um, and then also solves that problem of like trolls who are trying to attack us. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's yeah. A- a, a clever two birds with one stone kind of solution. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like it. Um, cool. Well, uh, you know, uh, again, this is really interesting um, and, and a really cool product. I think it has a, a ton of potential um, and, and I'm glad that you were able to take the time and, and talk to us about it. And I, I hope that uh, lots of people who are listening, check it out and, and hopefully sign up because I, I, you know, again, I've only been using it for about a week, but it's already, it's it's already pushed a, a bunch of annoying people to the side. It's, <laughs> it's been nice. <laughs> oh, good to hear. Yeah, thank you so much. Oh, and our domain is blockpartyapp.com because blockparty.com was too difficult to get. So blockpartyapp.com. And our Twitter handle is blockpartyapp underscore. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we get a lot of mistags for like blockchain things, but we are blockpartyapp <laughs> underscore. <laughs> Okay, very cool. We will try and include that in the show notes as well. Um, but uh, and I'm also sure that a Google search will will take people in the in the right direction yes. on those things. Um, yeah. But but very very cool again. And um, and thanks for taking the time. And yeah, thanks um, so much. And thanks to everyone for listening as well. And we'll be back next week. To grab a shovel and think of the tap. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get.